Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop, and thanks for tuning in, you guys, and leaving comments as you listen to these podcasts. And thanks for sharing them with your friends, because I've been so encouraged by how God is working through the time we spend together. And my hope has always been that when we hang out on these podcasts, you are equipped and feel compelled to live a life that is unhindered and unleashed, and that you're gaining ideas and insights that are compelling you to play full out and live fully into who you were created to be. And on that note of living into who you were created to be, I am super excited about my guest on today's podcast because she is the author of the book, You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are. And I think that one of the keys to living life unleashed is living into the freedom we have in Christ. Well, my guest on today's podcast is Rebecca Lyons, and in addition to authoring her second book, You Are Free, she is also the author of Free Fall to Fly, A Breathtaking Journey Toward a Life of Meaning. Well, Rebecca, I actually just realized that the word free is in both of the titles of your books. Crazy, right? Is that, a, is that a coincidence? It really is. I, I thought of you are free. And then a little bit later, someone's like, now wait, which one was that? Because they both say free. And then never, <laughs> never even occurred to me until much later after I'd already titled the second book. And it wouldn't have changed anything, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> it is funny. I thought maybe I'm just a little bit slow to the game here. And maybe there was some, there probably was some underlying intention. Well, some other things about Rebecca before we dive in is she and Gabe serve as co-founder of Q Ideas. It's a nonprofit organization that helps Christian leaders winsomely engage in culture. And Rebecca is a self-confessed mess. I want to hear more about that. And you <laughs> say you wear your heart on your sleeve as you challenge women to discover and boldly pursue the calling that God has for them. Your favorite pastime is spent with your nose in a book in a discriminating cup of coffee. That sounds like there's a story there. And <laughs> she and her husband, Gabe, have three kiddos and two dogs, and they live in Franklin, Tennessee. You can find Rebecca on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Well, again, Rebecca, thanks for taking time to hang out today. I loved your new book. Actually, a friend of mine had it, and I'm like, can I borrow that? And I haven't, I've had it for like four months. I haven't given it back to her. And I think I'm just going to have to buy it off of her. Um, (laughs) But so grateful for this book, You Are Free, and grateful that we get to share it with our listeners today. And I'm, I'm just curious, what prompted you to write a book on freedom? Well, I think didn't dawn on me until later in life that you can't know freedom if you don't know bondage. And I think in the church, we sing about freedom, we talk about it, we we reference it, but it's still a pretty abstract idea for many people. Mm. And it's it's kind of like the word calling. It like floats out there and you, you can almost taste it or almost touch it and grab it, but you still aren't quite sure <laughs> mm. if you've comprehended what that means in your everyday life. And so the Lord just met me in a season of panic disorder in New York City in 2010 and 11, and it was a midlife reset. I told people... It was like going back to college, except with kids, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and turns out that's not really a thing. But we moved to New York City with three kids and two toy poodles and a minivan, which oh my gosh. isn't, it's not really cool anywhere, but in particular <laughs> when you're pulling into mid, midtown Manhattan. And so I think I'm going for a life of meaning and it turns out I find surrender instead. And I've learned 
now that meaning follows surrender, meaning Hmm. that we want a life full of purpose and passion, but a lot of times we're unwilling to give up the life we're currently living because Hmm. it feels safe and predictable and controlled. But when I get to New York, everything unravels and I develop panic disorder, which lasts about a year and a half. And the Lord met me towards the end of that season one night, a very specific moment when I cried out for rescue and he met me in that place and all was still and I began a healing journey. And so as a result, I started to walk into a new freedom because I'd never really seen God's power kind of arrest my life in a way that became a story that I couldn't shut up about. Right. And so as I understood freedom from bondage, right? So often we don't know what freedom is, but we can certainly name all the things that come against us, right? Right, right. Well, what would be some of those things, yeah, that you would well, say? Well, I, I think for a lot of women that I have met along the way, I think it's uh, it has a lot to do with purposelessness. So there's a fear there, like, is my life, is the life I lead the life that longs to live in me? Mm-hmm. Um, is it connected to the destiny God placed on me in the womb? Um, is so there, so there's some angst about that. Like, am I living on purpose? Uh, another area of bondage is fear of, in general of, you know, anxiety for me became my fancy word for fear. But I think a lot of women I learned as I study mental health, one in four are diagnosed with some sort of depression or some sort of anxiety, which is about 400 times what it was in 1988. So mm-hmm. mental health is a, is, is something that comes against us. It just, it's there. Uh, and then I think you've, you've got all these other factors, right. From outside society, you've got, you know, what the world says is attractive. Hmm. What, what the, what the world says, um, like a significant other should be for you. And sometimes you find yourself in relationships that are not healthy, you know, or toxic in general. Uh, I think a lot of us sometimes even have relationships uh, with our own mothers that might've been fractured or with as mothers, they, those become fractured. And so there, <laughs> right. there's just a lot of things. I think, um, I look at it this way that, um, you know, since Eden, right. There's, there's almost like mm-hmm. a target on the back of women yeah. in particular, because we do represent the doorway to life. Like God, we're the only creation God took from life from Adam and created for life, to be this gateway to life, right? Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to be the carriers of life, which, I mean, that's kind of a really unique call, right? right? That's yeah. a real unique thing that God placed just on women, and she was created from Adam. Um, and I just think there's there's just a lot there because women have a lot of influence. They don't always know. They don't always realize. They have a lot of intuition, Um a sensibility about like things they can't always describe, but they're aware of, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of hear what's not being said. Sometimes you can discern a room or even in relationships with your significant other, whether you're married or a boyfriend or just a friendship, whatever. Sometimes you can even get the pulse on the dynamics there right? Um, quicker yeah. <laughs> than, maybe, than maybe your counterpart. And I think all those things are God-given gifts that really can be used to serve the kingdom. But with that sensitivity comes these other extremes that can be emotional fatigue or or depression. or uh, so, so I think that's what bondage looks like for a lot of us. I mean, and then there's obviously the physical bondage, whether it's just having supply, having resource, having provision um, in our everyday life. 
So it's going to look different for everyone based on, you know, where you live, the family you were born into, kind of the journey you've walked. But in general, once we can kind of name and identify those things, then we can ask God to get in the middle of it. Right. So so your freedom journey, tell us a little bit more about how that journey kind of evolved for you. Right. So this physical healing was kind of really the first step. It was, you know, often I think anxiety or depression is a symptom of something greater, but it's manifesting in what we can see. Right. right? And so a lot of times we will just say, Hey, I've always been anxious. I don't know. It's just my thing. Hmm. Um, but what I'm finding with women a lot is I can just say, do you remember the first time you were afraid? And so we'll dig into those memories. Um, I'm not a counselor. Don't want to be. Don't claim to be. (laughs) There are professionals far greater than me. I just come alongside women, though, who have similar stories and learn a lot along the way of, of asking and listening. And so oftentimes you dig into that story and you're like, okay, so tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mom. Tell me about your family dynamics. Tell me the first time you're afraid and who was in the room (laughs) and where were they and what were they doing? You know, I think sometimes we remember things because we're supposed to, uh, there's a reason. And sometimes memories seem unremarkable, but for whatever reason, we remembered them because they actually shifted something in the way we saw ourselves or the way we saw someone else or the way we saw God. And so sometimes it's just going back to those things, um, I think wounds create lies, and then lies are something we make agreement with and believe for our whole life. So for me in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, because I would get a lot of accolade when I would do things to fit in or to be accepted or loved, I started to believe the lie that I wasn't worthy of love unless I earned it. Hmm. And so that's something I carried into this performing, striving, firstborn, type A, control freak personality my whole life. Right. And it's not until, you know... (laughs) You can't sleep through the night without having a panic attack. All of a sudden, this high-capacity type A person starts to unravel and goes, okay, who am I behind all the achievement? Um, Am I worthy of love? Hmm. If I don't, if Hmm. I don't show up and perform and, and impress Am I still worthy? And I think a lot of women can relate to that. Like we are, are, we find our worth a lot outside of us in validation. I know you even um, gave a talk at the one of the Q conferences about audience of one. But I think that validation is something that we are we are looking for as women. And I, I actually was just having a conversation with a friend today who she feels like God has really been leaning into her, the Holy Spirit, on the fruit of love, the fruit of the spirit of love in her life. And she is taking a hard look and becoming aware. You talk about this idea of woundedness. She's becoming aware that her dad did not express love to her growing up. So here you've got this adult that is still asking the question. And she's a follower of Jesus. I mean, this is, you know, as followers of Christ, we we mm-hmm. we find ourselves, you know, in bondage. So it's so I just appreciated that you mentioned that because as I thought of her, I thought that's that's a wound that needs to be healed and that she is in bondage to because until she starts to experience being fully loved and accepted, you know, outside of her performance, like she's mm-hmm. just gonna remain stuck. Well, and I think that's honestly, so when, when Paul in Galatians talks about freedom, right? It's a book on freedom. Generally speaking, it's, it's, it's a lot of freedom in that, ch- in that whole book, six chapters. And it's not written to those outside the church. It's actually written to the church. And the reason is because the church at Galatia 
took this freely gifted gospel of Christ, uh, the Gentiles, and they're like, I'm in. But then they felt this need to add back on the law because that's what everyone else was doing. And Paul's saying to them, don't run back. Hmm. Why do you keep going back to the useless spiritual principles of this world? world?" He's like, I fear that all my work with you is for nothing because I have, he's like, don't become like me. I've become like you, Gentiles, free from the law. So he's basically saying, you have something special because you received a gift freely. And you didn't try to layer on it and strive or hustle or keep up. You just, you just received. And that's what the gospel is for. Hmm. And, and so I think it's interesting. And he, he correlates in Galatians three, he says, you're no longer fearful slaves, right? right? So this is the freedom versus bondage. You're no longer fearful slaves. Instead, the juxtaposition of that is your sons and daughters. And so it's almost as if, if we can't claim our identity as a son or a daughter of God, then we become, then we take on the identity of orphan, right? We're a slave. We haven't earned the inheritance. We, we It's kind of withheld from us. We operate out of a scarcity mentality and are we enough? And, and I think the reason I'm finding, mm-hmm. like, my, like myself, yeah. I'm finding this because this has been a while now, traveling, sharing this message, what I'm finding is the reason we have a hard time taking on the identity of daughter or son is because we just haven't had a healthy picture of that in the physical realm in our own life, right? It doesn't mean that there was abuse. It doesn't mean that there had to have been trauma. All it means is that we all do the best we can. (laughs) I'm a parent. parent, So I'm speaking from, (laughs) I got three teenagers and I'm pretty sure they'll all wind up in a counselor's office at some point (laughs) in the future and go, here's where my parents did well and here's where they failed. Girl. And that's just true. I mean, we're human and, and, and I, and I, pray that every day we become healthier and freer and more forgiven and more, but, but the truth is we, we are broken people. And so like for me, I didn't, I had a great childhood. Mm. I just think sometimes the way we receive love and express love look different. And so the child might need a certain affirmation that the parents not really finding the need to express, or it could just be like arm's length. It, or it could just be an emotional withdrawal. You know, it could look a lot of different ways. You could have several kids grow up in the same household, but because they're all wired so uniquely, they all had a different need, which means they had a different deficit. And so that does somehow shape the way they see God the Father. Mm-hmm. But what's so sweet about Paul in Galatians is he says, he said, but because Christ came, you now have the spirit of his son, Christ, the, the Holy Spirit, in your now in your heart. Because of this free gift that you received, you now have this spirit in your heart. And the spirit itself, the Holy Spirit, will prompt you to cry out, Abba Father. So even if you didn't raise, grow up with it, or even in the church, maybe so many people grew up in the church and they still don't have a healthy picture of daughter, beloved, like being beloved as you are, not, not like you have to earn a thing. Right. I think it's the spirit of God in us that helps give us this healing, uh, redemptive truth, right? Mm-hmm. So even though I might not in my brain totally have it figured out, I know that God's spirit in me brings me to tears and says, you are good and you are, you're a good, good father. And I, and I'm loved by you. I, I believe that is true. And your spirit confirms that in me. And so 
I'm going to keep living into that. I'm going to keep leaning into that. And there's grace for everyone around me who's still learning that as well. There's no condemnation pointed in any direction so that I stay a victim. It's more that like we're all leaning and learning into this identity as son or daughter. Right. So what would you say, because I do think that there are a lot of uh, Christians, a lot of followers of Jesus, women specifically, who, you know, Christ came that we may have life and have it abundantly, that we would experience freedom in Christ Jesus, yet we're not living free. I think that's a lot of people's stories. Mm-hmm. So what what are some, so one thing I heard you say is in that journey to freedom is, you know, continuing to, you know, set your mind on things above and set all your thoughts captive to Christ Jesus, like we have to renew our mind with God's word. What are some other ways that were helpful for you as you continued your journey to freedom? You know, I found a lot of my healing came through seasons of prayer, like extended prayer, quiet isolation, just real, just quiet on my face. You know, I think the Spirit wants to reveal to us God's love. Mm. I, I really think there's a lot that can happen in solitude and surrender. Um, and it, it means you can't just like, it doesn't work in a five minute Devo on your way to, you know, work and your, you know, podcast app. I mean, I'm not saying that God can't meet you in, in a song. He does, he meets you in corporate worship as expression, but there's something special that happens in the secret place. That's not constrained by time. Uh, that when you're really looking for healing and you bear your soul, because what I say in You Are Free is that confession is the gateway to healing hmm. and it's the on-ramp to freedom. I don't think you can have freedom before healing, but you can't have healing before confession because you cannot heal what is hidden. And so part of confession just says, hey, um, God, I know you already know this, but I need to say this with my mouth. <laughs> like, I actually struggle with this all the time? Or why am I always afraid? Why are these, you know, part of, I think the sin that Paul says, this is why so many are sick among you is because you don't practice self-examination before you take the bread in the cup, right? That's good. So when you take communion on a Sunday, you're just going through the motions, but you haven't actually confessed the sin (laughs) of that week. You just haven't even asked God to show you what it might be. Um, And it's never condemnation. Conviction is actually a gift of the Spirit to keep you healthy, to keep you alive, Um, because sin is what's so subtle, right? Right it entangles and it's meant to trip you up and it's meant to keep you blinded to it. But it's the spirit when you go, Hey, will you show me like what will you just show me, show me in the last few days, places where I have allowed sin to enter in so that I can just lay it at your feet. Now, some of us, it's like no brainer. I can tell you all the sin. I yelled here. Right. <laughs> I stalked this person on Facebook here. <laughs> I had a fight with my husband here. I'm like, it's like right at the surface. But then there are some times where we just go, I don't know. I just keep getting tripped up by the same fears or the same strongholds. Would you just show me the root of this? Yeah. And, I- and I think journaling is a good practice through that having the word open. And if his passage jumps out and brings you to tears, just keep going back to it. There's something there for you to learn. I love that. And it, it's, it is it is putting ourselves in a posture, and you mentioned this early on, of surrender and not running anymore, not avoiding. Because you know we, we pay an even bigger cost by avoiding intimacy with God. We can't stay in mm-hmm. hiding. Staying in hiding is just super painful. Two of the, the verses that came to mind for me when you were talking about kind of journeying to freedom is, I, I love 
love Psalm 139 at the end. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any unclean way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that is the, mm. Those verses are ones that I meditated on for a long time, like search me. But we have to be real. We have to be willing to listen to the answer and go there with God. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I mean, there's been times I've been woken from sleep with conviction. And and there was one time a couple years ago. It was like a dream, and at the end of the dream, I saw something, and I felt grief in my heart, like I had maybe caused that pain. And I got up feeling like, oh, this is the worst. <laughs> like, And at the same point, um, I opened my Bible just like randomly because I'm like, show me <laughs> what is going on. And I literally read the verse, the Lord corrects those he loves. Wow. Right. It's wow. like us, it's us as parents, you know, I mean, we're not going to let our kids, again, I have 12, 14, 16 year olds. I'm not going to let them run amok around town. Mm -hmm. I'm just not. Why? Not because I just want them to think I'm like, you know, the strictest person on the planet. Um, you know, a buzzkill. I, Mm -hmm. I, it's because there's a protection there. They're not ready for the freedom that they think they deserve. Right. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a maturing, there's a discernment. There's uh, a self-control <laughs> that needs to be grown. There's a frontal lobe of their brain that needs to be fully Literally, developed. right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have these conversations with my kids all the time. And, you know, sometimes it is the question of like, why can't I do what Susie can do? And I said, you know what? That's between her and her mom and her family or whatever. But the Lord's entrusted you to us, dad and I, and we're supposed to steward the years we have with you, which means we're, we're just asking God to show us every step of the way. Give us wisdom from above, not our own. Give us your wisdom, your grace, your discernment. And trust me, I said, as your maturity grows, your freedom grows. Yeah. But but right now, this is just like a, no, we're going to say no to this, you know, and it's easy when it's things like social media and stuff. It's like, in some ways, I think, man, if, if all yeses and nos were as easy as they are right now, it, I think sometimes the Lord's like, no, it is kind of easy. I, sell, I tell you to whatever is true and lovely and of good report, think on these things, but yet you still kind of putting these other things in your mind. And, and that can even be affected by, by media, by news, by, and so there's a, there's a part of me that's just saying, what's a healthy maturity in what I fill my mind with and not to be ignorant, not to be ignoring the world, but, but what's a, what's a good amount that doesn't actually make me cause me to be fearful again, because that's, God says, I don't give you a spirit of fear. I give you power, love, and a sound mind. So I think maturity is, is walking in the middle of that, having freedom to discern, but also the wisdom from God that says, okay, this is the appropriate way to engage. Right. And I love that too, because I, I think the distinction between God being restrictive and God being protective. And mm-hmm. often we see him as he's just restricting me. God doesn't want me to be happy. What are the cases where we don't recognize because we don't, we're not omnipotent. We don't see everything <laughs> that God mm-hmm. is actually like, listen, girl, you do not know the half of it. And I am not, I am restricting you. Maybe you feel like it's a restriction, but it's, it's out of a, out of love because I'm actually trying to protect you from something that you're not even aware of. And Mm -hmm. so it's like building our trust in God as a good father as well, which I think is kind of has its seasons and is a a lifelong process of maturation as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because, you know, if we're not careful, something that becomes liberty um, 
can swing so far, it's actually bondage again, That's right? It, oh, it, yeah. it, 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 it's all of a sudden we're like, oh, we actually didn't have the discernment to see this was going off the rails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that's for our kids. It's for us. It's for all of us just to know like what, what's, what's, um, wisdom in this freedom. Um, and how do we, how do we live that out? So picking back up on your process and journey to freedom, let's launch back into that. So tell us a little bit more about, and I'm sure it's not like you wrap, you know, put a bow on it. It's like, bing, free forever. I mean, we, I think this is something we wrestle with. I don't know if you'd agree or disagree with that, but we gain new levels of freedom and get freed up from bondage only to find that there are probably other things that we need to be released from. Oh, absolutely. Because we're human, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's this side of eternity, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a work in progress, but, um, I do find that I look at things differently. Mm-hmm. I I'm armored in with the armor of God in a new way, right? Yes. So if I were to have a panic attack now, I approach it very differently than I did six years ago. If I have a day where I feel blue, like just kind of in a funk, I approach that very differently than I would have years ago. And I think part of it's seeing the difference between our identity and what's coming against us. And often in in the world, they want to label everything broken and just label us by our brokenness. Like, oh, I'm this, 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 and I have this diagnosis, and this is who I am. And, and all of a sudden, we don't realize that we're unconsciously taking on identity of brokenness. Mm-hmm. And God says, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, but you're mine. <laughs> That's your yeah. identity. Your sons and daughters, you're mine. Um, anything else is, is possibly what's coming against you. I'm not negating that the enemy's using that as something to kind of take you out, but that doesn't actually inform who you are. Right. So let's distinguish the two. So for example, if I, you know, were to have a panic attack, I wouldn't all of a sudden now say, you know, I, you know, I have panic disorder and this is, I have, you know, it's partly because I think I'm able to almost single, like single out the incident and come around that. Okay. Okay. Like what, where's this coming from? What's this about? Is there a place in my life? I've just started striving again. Have I been getting sleep? Do I, am am I in a loving community right now? Or have I isolated myself again? Hmm. Um, you know, there are so many factors I think that, 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 contribute to our mental health or contribute, contribute to the demise of that, um, that it's good. And mental health day, you know, is around this time every year. And so it kind of gets me thinking about it again. It gets me sensitive to it. Cause I can certainly have seasons where I might feel like I'm a l- little bit of a funk, but I also kind of know, uh, now that the enemy wants to, I mean, he just does. He wants me to not be effective. He wants me to feel discouraged or defeated. And the one thing I've gotten good at Mm -hmm. is discerning the difference between conviction and condemnation. Mm. And I think a lot of us in the church are confusing the two because I know I have for a very long time. And the way you could tell them apart, right? First of all, conviction comes from the spirit. (laughs) Right. And it's a good thing. Which is a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, And then condemnation comes from Satan. And it's just to make you basically like rendered powerless, right? You are ineffective for the kingdom. So conviction, conviction comes as a way to confess, to get healing, to get freedom, and to get power and authority from the Spirit. So it actually, conviction empowers your work, ultimately. Can you, it, can you give a quick example for people who don't even, can't re- like relate? What, what would be examples of conviction okay. that you've experienced? Yeah. Right. Okay. That's so good. Um, 
Like, so conviction would be like, Hey, you know, in the way that you, your tone with that person or the way you kind of took credit for something that really was a whole group of people that did that with you. So it could be pride. It could be neglect. Um, it could be temper, but for me, it usually surfaces <laughs> in sleep. It's like I wake up and I'm remembering a conversation from the day prior and I feel a little check like, oh. yes, check in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. But so I can go two directions with that. I can be like, oh, I'm just a terrible mom or I'm a terrible person. And then I take it on the identity of brokenness. Right. I just never get this right. I can't do this right. I'm a terrible wife. You know, like if it's a fight with my husband or whatever. Right. Or it's like, God, would you show me how I could respond differently? Would you actually give me compassion for myself Mm. and for the other person in that situation and help me in the morning when I wake up? I don't care if it's someone in my family or someone in my work environment. I'll just uh, literally go to that person and confess and be like, hey, you know what? The Lord showed me that my tone um, was not right. I took, you know, I, I was prideful or I gossiped or I, you know, I got angry. Um, I overreacted. Usually when we overreact, it's because there's a wound behind it. And so it triggers something that makes us feel inadequate. So we overcompensate by reacting in a bigger way. Right. And so by just owning it and coming to that person and say, I'm sorry, you know, the Lord showed me this. I'm learning, you know. What, what comes from that is more intimacy, more connection with that person, um, almost like a freedom, like a fresh freedom. And then I guess what? I'm able to share it and it becomes a, it becomes a gift of encouragement to somebody else because nine times out of 10, whatever it is the Spirit convicted me of, if I wind up sharing that like the next time I'm on stage because, you know, I'm a chronic oversharer, <laughs> I'll get like 10 people over like, oh, when you said this, it was like, wow, the Lord showed me that's what I've been doing. And you just felt freedom to say it because God met you in it and there was grace. And so I think that's how conviction empowers ministry and empowers testimony in the work of the kingdom because conviction is just to bring, make things back right again, like bring things back into harmony and, and relationship with God. And so that always ministers to other people because we're always looking, we think we're the bad person. And then we realize, oh, that person has the same story. And God is so kind. His kindness leads us to repentance. He's so gracious and loving. And often when we we find reconciliation between our brothers and sisters when we do confess. And all of a sudden it's so much better than it was when we were all walking around with like this elephant in the room. Right. And we can be so fearful of confessing, but it's like, Oh, to your point, confession leads to freedom and confession can be scary because it may rock a relationship a little bit, or someone may not respond to us in the way that we want, but that's not, we're, if we're convicted of something, the Holy Spirit in order to your point to access freedom we have to be willing to be vulnerable and to be honest. Right. And the difference is condemnation, on the other hand, will take on the identity of like, I don't have anything to offer. I'm invisible. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm terrible at this, that, or the other. And because we believe that condemnation now determines our identity, we will actually shrink back from relationship. We will silently walk away. We will not ever reconcile. And we'll wonder why a decade later, we're not in relationship with people that we used to love very much, or we're actually not doing the work that used to maybe make us come alive because we heard a voice of criticism and it became diminishment for us. And then we kind of like went and we accepted that defeat and that despair. And we just literally like began a different life. And so that's why I feel so passionate about this for women, because I think women 
they come in touch with their calling and their gifting. They come alive. Their countenance changes. Their heart soars. They, they're so dynamic. Women are so dynamic and so gifted. And yeah. sometimes I'm watching them shrink back and kind of hide behind something because someone said something critical to them mm-hmm. and their spirit turned that to condemnation and they believed that they were not worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's damaging, right? That can take you out for a decade. Oh, yeah. You know? It could be a boss who fires you. It could be a boyfriend who cheats on you. It could be, it could be anything. A friend who betrays you. Betrays yeah. you, right? And so when when this loss or hurt comes against you, you all of a sudden become the root of the problem in your mind, and so you blame yourself and you shrink back and you walk away. Mm-hmm. And that's how con- condemnation is so devastating. And that's why it's so important to like be so in tune. When, when, when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice. That means that when we're walking in tune with Him and we are in His Word and we are in constant prayer with Him, we can quickly tell the difference between conviction and condemnation. Yeah. Conviction always brings healing and condemnation always brings diminishment. That's good. That's good. And we'll wrap up here in a minute. But one, I love this term in your book, and it's uh, you call it spiritual dehydration. I've called it spiritual anorexia, but you alluded mm-hmm. to that a little bit uh, about a minute ago. But if we are not in the Word, in prayer, and learning to hear God's voice, we won't be able to distinguish those voices and call out the difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like we have to be feeding ourselves. We have to be nourishing Mm -hmm. ourselves so that we are Mm -hmm. sensitive to the spirit and how God Mm -hmm. is speaking to us. Well, and, you know, I think for so long, you know, Bible time or quiet time has gotten such a bad rap. It's turned into obligation and duty, Mm -hmm. right? And who who wants that? Who has time for that? But when we see God's Word as a feast, as a place to refresh and like literally like a stream, (laughs) like a refreshing stream on our like weary and dry bones where we come in like crawling, you know, on our knees. We're so exhausted. We're overcome. We're overrun. We're tired. Very burned out on religion, all the things. <laughs> right. And um, I think when I come to the word, just like, would you just, just like show up, just show up and refresh my soul in these verses. And we sit with them. We don't try to race through them. We don't try to read three chapters because the plan tells us we have to, mm. to finish it in a year. That's good. <laughs> but we're really not coming with anything more than an encounter with God. And that is all we're coming for. That will be enough to keep us coming back for more. Amen. Amen. Well, I think that's a good that's a good word to end on is that we don't want to just flip through the pages of God's word and shut it and say, check, we really are in God's word because we want to experience more of him, the truth of who he is, the truth of who we are in him so that we do experience freedom. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. It is such a joy. You're just, I love the way that God has just planted his word in you and that you're living your life in such a way that you can create just streams of freedom for other women. So just thank you for just surrendering to that. And I just want to keep encouraging you. I I don't stalk you necessarily, but I do follow (laughs) you. Um, Tell our listeners a little bit. I know we can find you on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but you also have some really cool video series that you've been doing. Give a real quick um, shout out for that. 
Absolutely. I try to do a free series about three times a year, spring, summer, and fall. And this summer I did one on rest and I just kicked off one on strength uh, for fall. But you can tune in anytime. They're free 10-day, five-minute video series just to encourage your heart. And it does go through some passage in scripture and it just is kind of my reflections on those things. And I think we don't always have money for a book. So I want to just offer things to this community uh, that are walking out this same journey uh, that I am. And it's uh, it's a joy to me, truly. And so it's RebeccaLyons.com and it's K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S, just, you know, R-E-B-E-K-A-H. It's spelled differently, but it's the Hebrew spelling. My parents went with that. <laughs> we like it. But yeah, and so the, the latest one is just RebeccaLyons.com backslash strength. And that would be the one we just kicked off like in the last few days. And then there's another one called rhythms backslash rhythms of grace. And that would take you to the rest study, but they're all there. And of course the latest book that came out in February is called you are free, be who you already are. And love uh, the book, you guys, you have got to get this book and give a copy to your friend because you're, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Well, it was a three year journey where the Lord showed me all the places he wanted to set me free. And it took a long time. It was like four years to write. So it's like my heart poured out for sure. But it became, uh, what I'm finding it's becoming, um, language for people to really come around this idea of freedom. Because again, like I said, it's ethereal until we land the plane and go, okay, this is exactly the freedom that I've been craving and didn't have words for. Hmm. Perfect. Beautiful. I Again, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Again, the heart of this podcast is we really want to encourage you, inspire you to live your life unleashed, to live your life free, to live fully into who you were created to be, to give God glory and make your best contribution to others along the way because you were created uniquely and you have something that God wants to to give to the world through the way that you're specifically gifted and talented. So we just want to encourage you. And Rebecca, once again, thanks so much for your time. It's been such a joy. And listeners, pass this podcast on to your friends, encourage them, pay it forward, and we'll see you next time.